Welcome to the Known Legacy Podcast, by Dads for Dads, coming at you from the Lone Star State Cigar Shop in Allen, Texas. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your host, Bill and Travis. Remember the song Flood? By that band, Jars of Clay? Yes. Yes. And so That was so a great song. That whole album? Is one of my favorite albums, man. Uh, In fact, I'm probably gonna have to listen to that today. Rain, rain on my face. Remember that, like beginning, like ding, 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 ding. And he's like, <laughs> but it was funny because rain, I remember rain. when I was in high school, like a little bit post high school, that was on like the hard rock station uh, up in New York. It was on like, and there's like this Their hard, hard rock, rock was very different than my hard rock. I know well, it was like 103.9. Right. No, but I'm saying like it shouldn't have been on the hard rock station. No. That's no. what was so weird about it. I was like, "What is this doing on?" But then everyone thought it was awesome, and uh, and love that, love that the band, and they were just so much fun, everything. But I don't know why I'm thinking about jars of clay because it makes me think about this um, this pottery that I was looking at. That's why it's pretty much the only reason why I like jars of clay at this point. Um, the scripture talks about you know jars of clay a lot and things like that and pots. Right. But there was this one that I was looking up. It's called kintsugi. Kins- con- 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 Consume me? What? No, it's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Kintsugi. Kintsugi. Kint. Oh, excuse me. Kintsugi. <laughs> we got to edit that part out. <laughs> no, I think leave it in there because it was very innocent. I had no clue what I was saying until it was out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, oh awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That's Kintsugi. Kintsugi. Okay. And so um, Kintsugi is a pottery that uh, it's been broken, and then when people, they, they kind of pick up the pieces, and then it gets, it gets fixed. Now, for those who are listening, be gracious with the, uh, the overall explanation of kintsugi. This is from my mind, knowing this. But what essentially happens is these pieces are put back together with pottery, glue, and gold, so that when they're put back together, they're even more valuable than when they started. Wow. And so it's this whole idea of, um, of being of being broken and then being made whole. And as you're being made whole, the more valuable is actually after the fact. It's not even beforehand. Right. So, I don't know, it just makes me think about a lot of of where we are in life. And and I don't know why I immediately think about that, but I, I go back to the whole Ned Flanders mindset. <laughs> that... Um, Hide to the hole, neighbor. Yeah, like we have to be okay and everything has to be, you know, in, in order. Right. And like when you remember the episode when when Ned Flanders' wife dies because Homer Simpson threw a T-shirt at her and it knocked her off the stands. Do I you don't remember that? Remember that? Oh yeah. Explain it to me. Well, so they're they're at some rally and I think Homer Simpson has like a T-shirt gun, you know, and he's down there being a dope because that's what dads do, and they're on the top row of these bleachers and he shoots a a T-shirt at her, hits her in the head, she falls down like ten f- flights of whatever. And she dies. And so the whole episode is Ned Flander finally breaking through this, hey, everything's fine. Don't worry, boys. Everything's going to be great. To like, oh, this this hurts. This sucks. Wow, I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, it, you know, Simpsons is, for a cartoon, they're brilliant. You know? Yeah, I mean, they out. do some... How long has it been out? Like 25 years. Yeah, crazy. 25 years. But it's it, you're, you're exactly tacking into kind of a reality that I think most of us live in is that we have been conditioned that uh, we have to have it together. We have to be the ones that in the midst of crisis 
keep calm. And so we don't ever process through it. It's, it's, I have some buddies who are police officers and firefighters. And one of the things that one of my counselor friends talked to me about is like, hey, if you ever get those guys talking, just let them talk. Because they don't have a safe place often, and I hate that phrase, safe place. But they don't have a they don't I have a, a, a community. They don't have a place that they can just dump the crap that they roll into and that they see. Because they don't want to bring that home with them. Because they don't want to put that on their own wife. They are dealing with the darkest, most brutal evil in our culture. Yeah, you know, and they are carrying that stuff, and somehow they need to share it. Most of us guys have been patterned to just push it down. Keep it inside, ignore it, pretend it's not there. And what unintentionally starts to happen is it comes out in other ways, in negative behavior, self-destructive behavior, because we don't know how to process it. So in the, in, in the, in the process of hiding it from others, it actually begins to corrupt us and destroy us from the inside, like rust. Oh, wow. Like it starts to eat us from the inside kind of thing. Right. It, and you... you see this a lot and maybe people that are around you you know I had one buddy say the ones who are pursuant to do the most to prove to the world that they have what it takes are usually the most hurt and most wounded yeah and so they kind of walk around with this idea that man I you know they kind of like like the I'm I've got it made I've got it together everything looks good and you're like you're probably the most messed up right you know there was a buddy uh, a, a guy that I know who w- was at this at this one uh, conference and it was a, a long time ago. I'm mean, talking 20 years ago. And this one speaker in there had mentioned how women who wear pants are whores. That's what he said. What? That's what he said. He said, women who wear pants are whores. I was like, really? really? So, he's expl- so he's like, hang on, let me explain this to you. And he was so mad because the guy walked up to the, to the guy who was speaking. And he said, he, said uh, he goes, first thing, you're going to do two things for me before I break your legs. He goes, he goes, you're going to apologize to my wife for calling her a whore. And he goes, and the second thing I have is a question. He goes, what are you doing uh, around in the background? What are you, what are you, who are you messing around with that you're so, so adamant about this? Oh, and yeah. the guy was angry at him. Well, come to find out a year later, you find he's been having an affair with, with his secretary for 15 years. Wow. So we put on this perfection jacket of like, oh, things are good, things are good. Or, or even if, you know, even if there's, there's, that, there's that like desperate feeling in men and women that like, well, if I do more for God, He'll forgive me for the things I do or right. he'll, and, um, and they, they forget about their state of being of where they are in the father. You know, I forget where I am in the father. A lot of times, like, like I forget that I'm his child. Right. I forget that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I was reading in, uh, it's in judges six and we're talking about Gideon and there's this guy Gideon and you know people have heard like the sword of Gideon it was actually a movie back in like 1978 or something like that maybe really? maybe it wasn't that late it was I bet else. the production value on that was <laughs> off the charts great cuz you know christian movies always have great No I don't even think it was a christian production movie. value I think it was a movie of like a it was like a uh, something about maybe the olympics or something like they won the olympics there were spies and stuff but i mean anyways <laughs> it had nothing to do with gideon i'm just throwing that back out there because okay, those guys good, who are 10 good. 10 20 years older than me are like i remember that movie the sword of gideon i remember that and i'm like this yeah. is i don't think it's the I same movie that out of the 10 people that actually saw the movie no one wants to remember it Listen, i can almost promise you that i'm pretty sure my dad still has it recorded at our house <laughs> so <laughs> we're we're two of the 10 by default so anyways um 
We should do a podcast on the crappy movies we saw when we were kids. Uh, then now if we go back and watch, we're like, oh my God, why did I like that movie? It'd be like a 10-part series. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, I watched Red Dawn. Total tangent. I watched Red Which Dawn. Which one? The new one or the old one? The old one. Okay, good. And Whew. and I set it up for my kids like, this was a defining movie for me and my childhood. Wolverines! You know, and this whole thing. And we're watching this movie. And our kids are so media savvy now. They're like, that's fake. That's uh, they don't even have to reload their guns. What are you talking about? They don't. Even, I mean, how come they shoot once and they kill four people, and and they have the entire army shooting at them and everyone misses? I was like, it's just a good movie. Just watch it. Just watch this just, movie. Just and it's I, no John John Wick, but it's it's a movie. <laughs> right. And, and and at the end of it, I'm like going, God, how did that ever get like put into the movie theaters? Like it was just yeah. the production. Everything was just so cheesy. So cheesy. So cheesy. Kind of ridiculous. Anyways, back and, to Gideon. Anyways, back to Gideon. So I love it because <laughs> he had a Wolverine moment. He did. He had a Wolverine moment. See, that's how we tied in. See, that's everything it. everything gets tied in here at Known Legacy. <laughs> Anyways, so I love it because in Judges uh, verse eleven it says, "Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Op- Orphra. It looks like Oprah, but it's Orphra, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite." I'm jacking these I'm names so up. I'm so happy you're reading this and not me. My yeah. dyslexia would kick in, oh, and man. I'd just start making up names. Exactly. While his son, Gideon, was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And I stopped there for a second. Because I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing the absolute that God cast on him. So Gideon was was under this, you know, kind of, kind of tyrannical rule of the Midianites. And uh, the Midianites, you know, were pretty, pretty ruthless people. So here he is hiding in, in a wine press. He's, he's in the middle of this, this, you know, sealed off room, basically. And he's trying to get to get wheat to just simply eat. Right. And at that point, God shows up. So he's hiding. He's in this wheat. And he's like, I just got to get some food. And God comes he's up and he goes. He's in complete survival mode. Yeah, complete. Like he, everything is out of control in his life. He is in complete survival mode. All he can worry about is what's the, the bottom one, like sustenance for him and his family. That's all he can do. I need to eat. And right. so so here he is doing this. And God comes at well, um, what is it? And an angel comes at him and says to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And he's like, what you talking about, Willis? You talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? You, you talking to me? I, do you see what I'm doing right now? I'm hiding. Yes. And I'm pretending, yeah, I'm just trying to survive. A man of valor? Exactly. What the hell are you talking about? So God kind of cast it. And then Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Staring at an angel, which is kind of weird that he's not falling on his face. But he's so polite. Yeah. Sir. Sir, sir, <laughs> like doesn't even acknowledge that he just called the man of valor. And I love this. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not. I send you like, OK, whatever you just said doesn't matter. I already told you that you're mighty. Right. Now right. go go and live in this might. And then you start hearing the story. You, you start reading it. And you see what he does. And he ends up taking down, you know, an altar of Baal. And then his name changes. And then you go into the story of where Gideon goes and like. Defeats defeats the uh, defeats the Midianites, I believe. With yeah, three hundred. Yeah. yeah, with three hundred men. Yeah, crazy. And so, 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 I guess I'm saying that because we sit here in our mess, in our brokenness, or our in our 
and we feel like we have to re-earn God's favor. Right. Um, remember that time when your kid let you down? Never happened. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and You and mean if, Monday at baseball practice? Exactly, uh, exactly. We can go there if we want to. We can do it. <laughs> I was about to kill my kid. But anyways, that, that's a whole other conversation about how to encourage your kids and not destroy your kids. Yeah, yeah, we'll go through there. We'll go yeah, through there. We'll, we'll get there in a few podcasts, trust me. But I but I look at this and I, and I see this guy who who um who who didn't accept what God saw about him. And I guess that's the biggest thing. So now even even like as you, you know, as you were, you know, angry at at, at your son, you there was never a minute that you didn't accept him as your son or didn't see him as valuable. Right. You were just he would that that was already a given. But but here we are. We walk away from God, and and we're this broken mess. Or we're kind of all messed up, and we're like, well, we have to fix this by doing a bunch of things for God to fix the problem. And we're like, no, no, God wants. And, and then to even you know going back to this to this Ned Flanders thing. Uh, Ned Flanders, you know, kind of had this idea from where he was. I'm, I know we're using him a lot, but this idea that that he had to put up a front that everything was okay. Right. And God's like, no, you're a mighty man of valor. It's not okay. You, you can't fix yourself. I've already, I've already fixed you for you. I've already put the gold in all the brokenness. Yeah. To make it more valuable than it was before. Yeah. And I think it's, it's the matter of us to, to walk in this brokenness and to, uh, and to, dude, I'm so off on this one. I'm not feeling this like crazy. Well, I'm about to go someplace, so keep go going. Go for it. Well, because that's what we need. We need something to go somewhere. Um, but, but in the midst of this brokenness, God, the givens, the givens were that, were that, that, that Gideon was, was a man of God, that he was a mighty man of valor. And that's the same thing that's been cast on us. Right. So this is a pattern that, that I think you're talking about. And, and it's a pattern that you see from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, because they sinned, they were broken, they realized they were shame. they tried to cover their own sin by themselves by sewing fig leaves together, which is hilarious because fig leaves dry up and crack and break off, so it wasn't going to last. God rolls into them to talk to them, we've talked about this before, they're hiding from each other, which is symbolized by the fig leaves, and they're hiding from God by trying to hide behind a bush as if God doesn't know what happened and God doesn't know where they're at, hilarious. And that's a pattern that you see from the very fall of man and that we continue. So, you know, I I share with you that I'm dyslexic, right? Yes. And I got to tell you something that just right now happened to me. I have to say thank you to a guy that I went to school with in third and fourth grade. His name is Jeff Sippy. Jeff, if you're listening, if at any reason, thank you. And here's why. The most stressful time in my life at that age was the day of the spelling test. I hated the spelling test. I went to school, a special school, on Saturdays for two hours to try and learn how to spell. And I realized later on, my mind just doesn't know how to spell. It just doesn't work, right? And I valued, I, I equated my intelligence to my ability to spell. So the spelling test would come along. I'd fail that thing. Like, I mean, I would do the test. I, I would work my tail off. My mom would read the words on a tape and every night I'd go to sleep listening to that tape trying tape? to uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah, anyways. Um and so Jeff was the guy. He was, you know, kind of in with the teacher or whatever and he would pass out those tests. And every time he'd pass out my test, he would announce to the class what I got. I hated it. Hated it. In fact, he's the one kid, I kid you not. One day I had had enough, and I said, Jeff, 3 o'clock, flagpole after school. We're going to go. 
Now, neither of us showed up at 3 o'clock. Yes, yeah, of course. You know, we're both fourth graders, and, you know, what are we going to do? We had to go get each our, other. Yeah, we had to get our goldfish. You know? But for the long time, that became something I wanted to hide. Like, I desperately wanted to hide it because I, I, re- I, I, I thought it, I, it just became the definer for me, that this idea that I don't know how to spell, I don't know how to spell, I don't know how to spell. Well, fast forward to today. What I realized is he forced me to figure out how to package that in a way that I could still survive. So what I started to do was to turn it to humor, okay? And so I figured out a a better way to process my brokenness than to try and hide it because you can't hide it. In our world today with communications the way we have it, you can't hide it. So when I misspell words all the time, I just turn it to humor, not trying to hide it, but trying to leverage it to invite others to be okay with it. Another great example. I'm kind of an overweight guy. You know, I'm I'm five foot ten. I weigh two fifty. Um, you know, I, I don't know why my wife still finds me attractive, but somehow, some way, she still finds you me make attractive. Yourself, you you, you just know. made yourself sound sound like an ogre. I'm not an ogre. I'm not I, I an just, ogre. I'm just you know, I, I I'm not going to do CrossFit anytime soon. Okay, there's there's no marathon I'm going to run unless there's a donut shop at the end of it. That's all I'm saying, right? Mm, that's awesome. And the good. marathon is from my car door to the front door of the donut shop. But anyways. Um, and I was speaking at a, uh, at a youth conference in Florida one time and, uh, I, I, I value humor immensely. It's, it's kind of my go-to. And so I figure if I can get a, a group of junior high and high school kids laughing, I've got them and they can go where I want them to go. They'll, they'll follow me where I, I, I want to lead them in yeah, this word yeah. of God. And so, you know, I start off and I'm, I'm, I've, for some reason, something got in me and I started making fun of my belly. It's like, get in my belly, big fat man belly, you know, kind of thing. Just being stupid, right? And at the end of it, I was kicking myself because I'm like, man, that was so, so laying, low hanging fruit. Like, why would I do that? Why would I make fun of myself that way, you know, and everything else? Anyways, end of the retreat comes. One of the mom who's a counselor with one of the groups comes up to me. She pulls me aside in the breakfast line. She goes, I have to tell you something. I was like, what? And I'm terrified because normally that means she's going to correct me on something. Yeah, or you yell said this or wrong or right, whatever. Right. And she goes, my son, he's a, he's a seventh grader, and he hasn't hit his growth spurt yet, so he's kind of he's pudgy, and he knows he's pudgy. And um, he was coming into this, this retreat extremely anxious because he was very self-conscious of his pudginess. And she goes, in your talk that Friday night, and how you were able to turn your pudginess to humor. You should have seen the transformation. I'm getting teary-eyed. You should have seen the transformation in my son. Mm. The amount of confidence he got and the amount of just swagger he started to walk around with because no longer was he trying to hide it. This is my language, not hers. No longer was he trying to hide it. He finally got to the place of embracing it because he realized that's who he is. That's and cool. I'm thinking to myself, man. That's cool. But the problem is we fall into the pattern of hiding. And so I hide it from myself and pretend it's no big deal or it's not there. Or I hide it from my family and I pretend like it's no big deal. Or I hide it from others and I pretend like it's no big deal. And then we set up this pattern that others will go, well, if he's hiding it, I better hide it. Because if I let them know that I'm broken, that I'm dyslexic, that I'm out of weight, whatever it might be, then they're going to judge me the way that I might judge them. And so I'm going to hide it too. And so we surround ourselves with people who are pretending to be people they're not really without dealing with the issues and challenges they're truly dealing with. And we, we create this Ned Flander facade that, hi ho everything is, four-letter church word, fine. fine. You know, right? it's funny. I love how you said that because 
the power of the gospel is not in the hiding, it's in the exposing and watching Jesus fix you. Exactly. And that's the, that's that, the gold that's part not, of that. But we think that's a personal thing. Like, he's just going to fix me on, like, personally, like, alone in my room all by myself, you know. Yeah. And God's like, no, 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 no. I want to fix you and put you on display because I want yeah. people to see what I can do, what yeah. I am able to do with them in their lives and not just personally fix you for yourself. I'm fixing you for others. Well, that's it. Like, that's the bigger thing, and that's what we forget, is that we want to go and run away and, you know, I, I, I got this issue, I've got this sin or whatever it is, and, and, and I'll deal with it, and then I'll come back out, and then I'll confess it or I'll, I'll tell people, hey, this is how I, you know, I worked through this, you know, the, the five steps or the whatever it is, which, again, sometimes tangibles are good to walk through to have some actual guards. And, but the bigger thing is that people need to see you going through that right. because even when they don't confess that, they are in the same spot you are. We, we somehow forgot the enemies lied to us to say that that we're not all like Gideon, that we're not all in some form hiding. And God's like, you're a man of valor. Right. I need you to, to balls up and, and show your brokenness because that's really ballsing up. I need you to balls up and show your brokenness in front of other people so they can say, well, I can get fixed too. Right. But no one's going to come out there. And that's the thing, guys. It's not like us going out, I'm going to be broken in front of everybody. <laughs> like that's not what I'm talking about. But it's more the idea of going, I've made the commitment. To accept the absolute that right now, before I'm fixed, that I'm a man of valor. That right. God's cast If God's me. word is true. If God's word is true, I'm a man of, and then I have a God who is for me. Right. Just like, you know, I heard this story uh, of, of a dad who was talking about how his kids came home from, from college, and they raided his fridge, and they took a bunch of his gear, and they took a bunch of his best cigars, and, and his, I think it was John Eldridge, and I was reading a story, and, and he said that, that I love what he, how he says, it. he goes, and my kids, they, 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 you know, asked, can I have this stuff? And he's like, and his comment was, of course, you're my kid. But we've walked into this not believing that God is for us and that he's not our dad. So right. those are two hard elements. Like we come at him more in this idea of like, oh, I hope you'll fix me. So I'll do all these things. And God's like, I've already called you a man of valor. Right. So you already are who I see that, 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 that you're, you're becoming. Just let me fix you. But then we do it in front of people because there's other people who are just like you hiding in another wine press or hiding in their house trying to, to not even deal with their sin because they don't know. They're, they're just kind of accepted this idea that this is who I am. Right. I'm broken. And, and they, they don't just say I'm broken, but uh, I'm going to struggle with, with lust. I'm going to struggle with overeating. I'm going to struggle with a failure in my identity that I think that I'm worthless right. and not share it with anybody. I'm gonna, but I'm going to do a whole bunch so that maybe God will one day fix me of this. And so what happens is if we, if we are, are, are dads that don't figure out how to do this in a, in a healthy way, and I'm not saying you need to throw out there and do a, a Alexander Hamilton and write a, a news article that throws it all out for the world before you even have a conversation with your wife. That's not what I'm saying. But, but to have that ability to be transparent and authentic with people. So yeah. um, two weeks ago, uh, like everyone in the family except for Molly, my uh, uh, 13-year-old, had a horrible day. Like we had dinner together and literally three of my kids were crying at the same time because their day was so bad for one reason or another. And Molly was like, everything's fine. And, and like, That's there's awesome. Molly. Right. Well, the next day, I'm taking Molly to play practice. And she's sitting down, and she's not saying a word. We're listening to music, and all of a sudden I see tears coming down her face. And I'm like, are you okay, Molly? No. And she just had a horrible day. 
And she was terrified about not living up to expectations of teachers and the star test that was coming up and all of these other pressures that were coming on, right? And so, you know, I, I listened as a doting father and, you know, gave some easy words of advice and, you know, all this other blah, 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 ha, ha, right? Two days later, we're driving back to uh, the play practice. She's in a better place now. I'm not. And she turns to me. She goes, Dad, are you okay? Now, I had a moment where I could have, I had a decision at that moment. I can either play the hiding game, internally think through and wrestle with my stuff, or I can teach my daughter by modeling to her what I wanted her to model back to me. And so I said, you know what? I'm not. I have a lot of decisions I'm trying to make, and I don't have enough data to make that decision, and I'm stressed, and honestly, I'm terrified. And so I started to share with her this stuff, and I said, if you have any advice, if you have any wisdom, like... You know, and she's 13 years old. And she's like, I don't have any advice for you. I was like, you do have advice. You just don't think you're, you're, you don't have the confidence to share your thoughts. Ultimately, it's my decision, but I need to hear what you think on these things. And so for that 30-minute drive to play practice, I'm kind of dumping on my 13-year-old daughter in, in within reason. I'm not, you know what I mean? I mean, you don't want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, There's only so much you can truly do to be protective of them, but also, you're, you're, but you're being authentic. Right. I'm, I'm being authentic because she knew it. I mean, she knew that something wasn't right. I wasn't my jovial self. I was stressed. I was short with them at dinner. I was short, you know. And, and, and I was amazed at how it transformed our relationship. That's cool. You know, and, and how quickly that, because now when she asks me if I'm okay, I feel more emboldened to say, yeah, I am doing well. Or no, I'm not. I'm I'm really worried about X, Y, and Z, or I'm really stressed about X, or or whatever it is. And I think that's what we ultimately want to get into our hearts of of being a man of valor, is being um, strong enough to sit down with people that we trust, and go, I I'm not okay. I I have some real struggles that I I can't process on my own anymore, and I need to share that load with others. You know, so it's almost like you're saying that a man of valor walks in their fear because, you know, fear is a constant. We've said this before. Fear is a constant. And there's two options in fear. You either sit in it or you learn to walk through it. Right. And so as a man of valor, even though there's fear, even though there's insecurities, the, the truth is it's been cast on you. Oh, man of valor. So now you have an opportunity to, in the midst of this, show your kids what a real man of valor is, which is walking in your in your brokenness. I don't have it together. Because, you know, it's funny, your kids can see when you're not perfect. But for some reason, we feel right. like we have this front that says, oh, we can't, uh, you know, or, or, or I can't express how I'm feeling because somehow that'll, that'll destroy who they are. But what that really does is it teaches them, again, I'm not perfect. Dad's not perfect. God uses dad. God can use me. It's not when I get it together that's the ultimate example. It's not when I get this together, will God begin to use me? Right. It's God can use me now like God used Molly at 13 to go, Dad, it's going to be okay. Right. And it affirms to them that this relationship we have with each other is not because we're pretending to have it together and we're perfect. Yeah. But it, it's, it's going to be here regardless, which ultimately I want her to realize is her relationship with the Heavenly Father. That when she doesn't have it together, there's a heavenly father that's journeying with her. What does it say? He's close to the brokenhearted? Yes. He doesn't say he stands at a distance and says, get it together and then you can come near me. It says he comes close to the brokenhearted. He comes close to those who are struggling. And it, it, and that's what we want to model for our kids. But we got to get our act together 
on some level and figure out how to do that again. Because we've been conditioned to pretend, to Ned Flander, and to just go on, you know? And I think a man of valor doesn't Ned Flander. Right. You know, there is no Ned in a man of valor. Right. So you see these guys who seem to have it together. Just like my buddy who, you know, hey, this guy got to speak at a conference and talk about these ridiculous tr- false falsities about women and pants and things like that. And you're going, well, that must be who God is. And I've, I've met a lot of people who come in and out of the church and have a false view of who God is because of what another human being did to mess that up. And I love my old pastor used to say, don't let people mess you up about God. Let God straighten you out about people. Ooh. And so this whole idea of being a man of valor is time out. I get to give people a glimpse of how God really walks with men of God. Because if you're listening and you're a child of God, you're a man of valor. End of story. Right. From there, you have an opportunity to, as a man of valor, step into your fear, step into your brokenness and go, this is who I am. And I'm not just talking about kumbaya, share your heart, but I'm talking about being real because it takes real guts to be a man to go, here's my wound. I'm going to leave it out here open for you. And then, you know, it's funny, though, guys, every time that I've had the opportunity to share my wound with someone else, at least one person has the balls, I'll say the balls, to pull me aside and go, hey, here's my struggle. Right. Because you give them permission. Yeah. And that's part of it is we need to, again, step into the awkward, go back to stepping in the awkward. And when we step into the awkward, we give permission to actually have the hard conversations yeah. that, that desperately, people desperately, children, adults, everyone desperately needs to have, but most people are terrified to take the first step. And yeah. so some of us are called to take the first step, and that is with our family, that's with our wives, and that's why, again, we went back to a few podcasts ago when we talked about praying with our wives. Why do we want to pray with our wives? Because in those moments when we are praying authentically to God about the real struggles, she is seeing into my heart of what's going on, and I'm giving her permission to wrestle honestly in the open with the things that's going on in her heart. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I keep reading through this, and before Gideon did all the great things that we talked about, 300 guys took down an entire army, you know, and God right. kept, kept whittling it down. The next part of this very beginning is, is what really changed everything. And he said, you know, he said, go in this, in this might of yours. And the next thing he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So I am the weakest of the weak. Right. And the Lord said to him, but I'll be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites, the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. And he goes, he goes through this, and God begins to reveal step by step. It wasn't, and the next thing he grabbed his sword and the men. <laughs> it's it's he, a process. He walked this with it's God. It's a process. God, I'm going to try this. Um, I'm going to accept the truth that I, that I am a man of valor. Right. I'm going to begin to walk in this going, okay, I know that I'm the weakest of weak on the outside, but I'm going to step in it. I'm going to take that. That's where, that's, where, that's where he got the balls to start walking into God and go, okay, if this is you, here's the next thing. If this is you, here's the next thing. If this right. is you, and it was a step at a time. And so it's a process for us too of going, God, I've never shared this with somebody. We got to lay our pride down. Yeah. Because really it's an it's a, it's a, it's a issue of pride. And pretending like we have it together and we have to go, I don't have this together. And I need help. I need help from God. And I need help from the people that God has gifted me with to, to, to go through this, you know. Absolutely. And, and here's the deal. God will bring that help to you one way or another. 
he'll either bring it to you because you have the balls to step out before it becomes a crisis, or it'll become a crisis because you thought you had it together, and eventually you'll drop it. It'll become a crisis because you've been self-medicating one way or another, whether it be through golf, sports, alcohol, whatever. And and the, God hates pride mm-hmm. because pride lies to us and says we don't need help. Yeah. And, and God loves humility, which says he's given me amazing gifts, but I desperately need him and his help and the people that he's given me around me to 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 process through whatever I currently am facing. Yeah. So I guess I would say we're all broken, but we're but as a child of God, we are men of valor. Right. We're, we're kasutsi pots. Kintsugi Kintsugi pots. pots, whatever. So I would. Say I think that's a made up word. I'm gonna have to Google that. I totally think that's made up. Look up K I N T S U G I. Right. Kintsugi. Check it out after this after this podcast. But realize we're all broken. As a man of valor, we have to realize that we drop our pride, and that Jesus is the glue. We have to let Him fix us, and then we have to let others watch. Mm. And us being broken in front of our family is letting others watch Jesus fix us. Us being broken in front of other men is letting letting them watch Jesus fix us. Right. So we are here as part of this. We're here to bring glory to God. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Right. And so for us to do that, we allow him to fix us. And that shows us that shows him the most glory. It isn't this isn't some super crazy thing. It's just going, hey. I don't got my crap together. Anybody else not got their crap together? Yeah, me either. I've been spinning plates for 20 years. Finally, someone came up to me and asked me. Or, or show this to somebody and be the example so that they can see that they can be healed just like you can be healed. Right. I love it. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening to By Dads for Dads on the Known Legacy podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at knownlegacy.org.